Welcome to Talks, a bunch of, well, talks with builders that have things to say about DAOs, Web3, their life, and uh, other things. All right, today I'm going to be talking to Mark Balin. He's based in Toronto and cares about many things, two important ones being when is the next opportunity to go skiing? And the other one is how to help communities to create entities that allow to distribute ownership and incentives to its members, the creators. In his opinions, not every DAO has to be focused on crypto and Web3. It's about democratizing access and the power of the tools. As a result, he started Myco, providing communities with an easy and quick way to launch LLCs that are collectively owned. We'll be talking about that and how that has been turning out. First, however, I have to make, again, a statement requested by our lawyers. Here it comes. The information in this podcast is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. It is not intended to be and does not constitute financial advice, investment advice, trading advice, or any other advice. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or Apple or Google or any other platform, consider heading over to talk.dalhas.com. That is talk.dalhas.com. Um, you're getting the exact same podcast that you're listening to now, plus an interactive transcript and uh, links to topic sites and people and no talk sites. Let's jump in. Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Very good. Very good. Um, you get any skiing these days? Yeah, I got a little skiing in last week, thankfully. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately back on dry ground. All right. So you're in Toronto, right? I'm in Toronto now. Yeah. Good. All right. Let's jump right in. I know you're one of the co-founders of Myco. Um, where did it start? What problem did you see? And what are you building? For sure. So. Uh, I kicked off work with uh, Aria, my co-founder, back in uh, late 2020, um, you know, really kind of trying to figure out this pattern for um, DAOs, in particular focusing on social DAOs, right? I'm trying to understand, you know, when you have a group of people coming together to um, all kind of solve a problem, um, create some sort of value, how can we um, most sort of efficiently give that value back to the people who created it? You know, recognizing that there's, of course, many different ways to do this with tokens, but um, most of them lean on, you know, these things like governance or membership rights or these different sort of utilities you can add to the token. Uh, whereas with Myco, our approach is a little bit different. We uh, try to let people launch, you know, actual businesses, um, their LLCs, and give out shares in those businesses to the people who contribute. And so this makes it a little bit cleaner for people who are uh, not so willing to dive in the deep end uh, of the DAO space, um, but also just very sort of straightforward with regards to the way that money flows, which is that, you know, you can do very sort of traditional business-like things on the internet with your friends, sort of like a DAO, um, things like, you know, distributing shares, giving out dividends, earning money into a shared account. Um, so very similar to DAOs, but again, focusing on uh, the social, social space you know, uh, groups where um, they're not necessarily managing a protocol or trying to do anything even on chain like investing. Um, it's just a group of people who wants to make money together. And DAOs just happen to be the most sort of efficient way for them to be able to do that. Very cool. Yeah. So 
um, I was actually before, you know, a few days ago, I was like, oh, I'm going to go and check it out. I think you guys are still in like private beta, so it's yeah. closed. Um, and I'm, I'm very curious about this because, you know, it's um, for me digging through the DAO space. Every time I go somewhere and click on an app, I go like, you know, connect your wallet. On your side, I was back and I was like, oh, connect with Google, right? And I was like, okay, there must be a clear reason for that. And I think you kind of hinted that at that is already. Um, I would love to go a little bit deeper into this before, you know, we go more into the specifics. But when you initially started um, looking at this and, you know, with your co-founder and said, okay, um, you know, we want to make it people for, we want to make it possible for, you know, people without crypto experience to set up or join DAOs and work in them. What were like the really specific kind of pain points or things that you saw as unresolved when looking at, you know, one other established kind of DAO frameworks, be it at Aragon or Malachon DAO House or, you know, what Jack's building in Colony, um, you know, what, what did you see what none of these existing solutions, you know, were, um, what were they, what problem were they not solving? And, you know, how did you think, you know, what was your approach on solving it? For sure. So there were a number of differences. I think the most obvious one that you kind of highlighted was, you know, the need to have a wallet already. We recognize that most people don't have wallets and um, that that's, you know, that's okay. Um, so what we try to do is kind of accept everybody kind of where they already are. You know, we let them instantiate a, 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 a social wallet. So using Taurus um, on the back end to uh, actually, you know, so they're authenticating with a social um like a Twitter or, or, or Google, but um, they, they still have a public private key pair that they can use for, you know, signing messages, signing transactions, these sorts of things. Um, so that was kind of like one aspect of it. Um, another aspect with regards to the, you know, Aragons and, and colonies of the world is that they are very nice and very generalized, but um, are not, again, they don't sort of tackle this like very sort of specific use case around um, profit distributions and being able to launch, you know, like a legal entity. Um, this is something we care a lot about there. They kind of take a much more uh, kind of like on-chain maximalist type approach, which I think is very meaningful and, and makes a lot of sense for certain types of DAOs. I think, you know, as time goes on, the, the different branches of DAOs are kind of continuing to spread and, and we're starting to see bigger and bigger differences between these different, you know, different types of products and different types of, of groups. Um, and so we're kind of taking this like very, uh, very centralized in certain ways, um, very traditional approach, very web 2.5 approach, um, recognizing, you know, our team, we've built protocols in the past. So we kind of understand what that deeper end looks like. Uh, but ultimately, our goal is to get our users there and to be that bridge. And what that means oftentimes is, is to simplify products to make them um, a little bit easier to use than some of the existing DAO tools, which um, are quite, you know, scary for people who don't have experience with DAOs or, or who, you know, don't have somebody who can uh, kind of hold their hand. Um, and so we kind of try to, to simplify and, and aggregate all of that and, and bring it to people. So, um, you know, we still use, um, you know, things like smart contracts and, and you know, on-chain protocols, you know, like Gnosis. And um, we're, we're kind of continuing to keep an eye on the, the more, I guess, in my head, the more extreme kind of DAO tooling like Moloch. Uh, you know, with their V3 and, and all these different things being developed, Orca Protocol is another great example. Um, we kind of try to keep an eye on them, but ultimately, like, we we try not to be too specific about smart contracts, and in general, like, that's, um, you know, those things will be implemented based on user needs rather than um, us trying to kind of build the protocol which will decide, you know, which can define how all DAOs potentially function on, on Ethereum. You know, that's just not for us. Very good. So, 
um, since you're in like private beta, alpha, whatever um, yeah. it's called. Um, at first question really quickly, when do you think, can can somebody like I get access already tomorrow? Is there something to see and play with or is it still too early? Yeah, absolutely. So um, right now, I mean, A, if I can send you an invite immediately after this. And anyone who's listening, if you want to get on Myco, just shoot me a DM and I'm, we'll, we'll chat. Um, but I'm, I'm generally happy to let people on, recognizing that it's still very early. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the tools that we have out there right now are uh, very based on sort of like social interaction. So we give, um, we call them CoS, which are these sorts of DAOs or companies, communities, collectives. We call them CoS on Myco. Um, so you can launch a CO or, or any of these CoS that already exist. Um, they, they have a, a a sort of social space for them. So they get like a chat room, um, they get this kind of private posting space, very similar to like a private Twitter almost. Um, and so most of these entities right now are very social. They, the, you know, the, the uh, legal entity formation and um, the distribution of profits, these sorts of functionalities that we're still working on. And I think we're kind of about a month away from being able to, to ship those to our beta users. Um, so right now it's still very early. Um, we've got a few hundred people on um, who are testing around, playing around, you know, saying good morning every morning. Um, but uh, it's not, we're not doing a lot of the more meaningful kind of like share distribution stuff quite yet. That stuff is still being finalized as we speak. Very good. So, you know, let's say you're shipping, if you think about, you know, the product that you want to initially ship, right? Um, and you're kind of on the way there and it's going to be there in a week or month or so. Um, run me through or run us, all of us through, you know, what will be the features that available? Um, mm -hmm. You know, like you set this up and you're going to get A and B and C and D, you know, like what, what is, what's going to be there? Sure, for sure. So, um, I mean, the first piece is your homepage. This is kind of like an aggregated page for your community. You can kind of have a source of truth for any announcements you want to make or any posts you have. You can pin them there as well. So this kind of makes it easier for uh, communities to um, you know, pull in their members and give them kind of a central place to look, especially for the ones who aren't so technical, um, who can't just like spin up their own websites or, or don't want to spend time doing that. Um, then they get, you know, a, a members and roles management system. So um, they can have different people with different permissions on the platform. They can manage all of that. Um, and then different roles, of course, earn uh, different amounts of ownership on a regular basis through this kind of pools, uh, new, this new concept of these like different role pools that we have. I can maybe go deeper into that if you'd like. Um, then there's the actual like ownership kind of application itself, which lets you just distribute the shares, manage, understand who owns what and, and how much over time. Um, and then finally, the vault is kind of what we call the, the multi-sig uh, type application, which is kind of the bank account for the community. Um, and then the legal documents uh, is kind of the final piece, which which ties it all together and creates this LLC wrapper for the, for the entity. Um, and so all of that's uh, going to be available, yeah, for, for our users in about a month. Very cool. So let me start backwards again. Sure. This, this wrapper is going to be the ability to incorporate what an LLC where in the US and Canada? In the US, yeah. It's a Nevada-based series LLC. Okay, very cool. Why, why Nevada? Uh, it's just uh, it, the costs are more appropriate for these like internet native uh, things where you can spin them up basically for zero dollars. Um, and so that makes it real easy for us. Very cool. So that's there. Um, regarding um, the treasury, this is going to be 
um, I imagine that's on chain. It's a smart contract. So uh, we actually to Gnosis or something or what are you? Yeah. So the initial version of this actually uses like public private key cryptography and like off chain sort of multi sig. So basically, you can have um, M of N signers on particular transactions, um, but. Ultimately, they're actually signing transactions that are on a product called Wire. Um, we use Wire for fiat on and off ramps. So that lets um, our users you know, make deposits or pay with a credit card and then withdraw also back to their uh, traditional banking account if they'd like. Um, they can also introduce fee, uh, crypto, excuse me. Um, Wire, Wire, of course, is like a crypto product on the back end, but um, it, the, 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 the fiat on and off ramp is, is particularly useful for um, for a more mainstream audience who's not doing crypto stuff. Um, and so initially that's off chain. Um, and then we'll be building, we're, like I mentioned, we're kind of like architecting and kind of experimenting with the on-chain version of Myco, but it's it's a little bit early for our users right now. So we haven't focused too much on that. Right, and, uh, and um, the shares are gonna be tokens or also off chain. What's your plans there? Yeah, technically right now they're off chain. I mean, ultimately they're going to be non-transferable anyway. So the use case for putting them on chain is is fairly minimal. Of course, like it could be used for other applications just to track who's a member or how much do they own, but ultimately like they can't really be used for, you can't trade them, you can't transfer them, you can't purchase them um, because that's ultimately, you know, what what enables them to be used as uh, for, you know, for profit distributions. So um, right now it's off chain again, because our users don't really care. But um, if we find there's a particular need uh, uh, for for that to be on chain, we can we can deploy them as tokens as well. Very cool. So, um, got it. I get the picture. I think you know from the description, it was very good. You've done this more than once, so it's fantastic. <laughs> um, how do you um, uh, summarize to me? Make me a pitch as a founder. Um, why should I set this up? Why should I set this up with Myco? Um, compared to do it the traditional way, like, you know, I could also piece this together, right? I could go, yeah, I'm setting up the company in Nevada and, you know, then, you know, I'm setting up whatever Slack or Discord as my chat room. And this, what's the, you know, wh what, do you, what do you feel is like the, what's the core here? What's the pitch for me to say, yeah, you know, the next time I need to set up a company, this is the way to go. For sure. So, I mean, of course, the most obvious one is just that Myco includes a lot of these different tools out of the box, sort of all in one, which makes that easier for, you know, for us as community builders who are experienced, you know, we kind of understand, okay, I want the Discord to do this. Here's how I should structure that. You know, I, I want this tool here. Um, but for people who aren't so experienced, it's, it's a little bit more difficult and they're kind of in the deep end. So we kind of make that much easier for kind of more novice community builders. Um, but, but ultimately, in, in terms of kind of our core pitch or our core bread and butter, it's really around this idea of um, distributing ownership and, and profit rights, right? And this, you know, the problem we're solving for, for community builders is ultimately that they have these different sort of contributor types um, who aren't properly able to be incentivized, right? Of course, this is a problem that DAOs across the board are trying to solve with tokens and novel incentive mechanisms. Um, but and, and, and we can do those things as well, but the tokens themselves uh, don't usually end up being very valuable. And we see this a lot with social tokens or community tokens where, you know, maybe the price goes up very high and then you know, crashes a lot as well. And so we wanna give uh, community builders an alternative where they say, okay, well, 
you know, you don't have to care about speculators. You don't have to worry about making a market, uh, you know, creating LP pools on, on uh, Uniswap, any of that stuff. Nobody's buying tokens. Your users, your contributors don't have to buy anything. Um, they just earn these shares of profit. They never have to sell them in order to get any money. You can just distribute profits back to them. And you can imagine it sort of like flowing down um, through through the community to the sort of end members who are um, who are doing the work who who who, who you know should be earning a piece of, of that pie, and so you know that's kind of like our core pitch and, and our core bread and butter is is around that ownership piece. Um, but like I said, yeah, we include a lot of other tools in it as well to you know just make it easier for anybody who who doesn't know how to launch communities. Good. And uh, are the shares going to allow you to additionally also vote or are you separating the voting from the ownership or are you making that optional or how do you, how you think about it? Yeah, exactly. Optional is kind of how we do things over at Michael. We kind of start things off with a lot of uh, power being given to uh, these like creators uh, who are the ones actually like running these communities. And then we encourage them over time to give that, you know, the decision making rights over particular things over to their members, either by creating new roles and giving those roles different permissions um, or just by simply, um, you know, letting actual token holders or shareholders like vote. Um, so by default, they don't necessarily come with rights, but uh, beyond of course like the profit right that they get from from the legal entity right um but but they don't actually get a sort of explicit say over anything uh necessarily from the from the beginning and when you you know if you have to provide uh example of kind of a um real community that already exists or that will exist you know on your platform or you know when you i think you guys raise money as well when you pitch to investors and would say hey look here is you know peter who is starting this community or that what what would be a, a the best possible case or what is the best possible case that you guys have envisioned that makes it really tangible Sure. Yeah, I can give you an example, um, and I'll I'll try to describe a particular instance. Recognizing, you know, we have like a bunch of different kind of like archetypes for different communities, but there's one that I think maybe it will be most interesting. So, um, basically, there's a community um, that's building on Myco called the Running Boo, and you know, the Running Boo started as like an Instagram account. They have like 800 or so followers, maybe more, um, and you know, they they have a community of people who are who are in the community. They have a bunch of pro uh, track runners and and middle distance runners as well. Um, and they're all kind of building this community together. And the people who are running the community, who are running the, the Instagram page, want to turn this into, you know, going from being this kind of like audience and creator relationship into this sort of all together community type uh, entity, right? And so what they need to do is uh, to, like I mentioned, pull in their kind of middle management for their community, you know, create roles for their moderators, people who are starting to run events potentially in different cities um, who are running meetups, um, people who are kind of like managing the different social uh, you know, tools that the community is using on different platforms. Um, and they need Myco to kind of like underpin all of that to create this like very solid foundation. Um, and that way that group can go out on the rest of the internet and do things all together, um, but recognize that they're doing it kind of under the shared umbrella and, and sort of trust that what no matter what they're doing in all these different places, it's all kind of underpinned by this this shared um, kind of like structure and, and, you know, like this mycelium basically, right? That's kind of our, our, our purpose. Um, and so, you know, whenever they make money on the internet, whether it's by charging membership fees natively on, on Myco, or, you know, maybe they launch a Shopify store or they run some physical events, they can earn that money wherever they do. They can deposit it directly into their vault, and then they can distribute those profits back to their members who were contributing. And so ultimately what those points, what those shares become is just the best way of tracking who owns what, right? You're constantly slicing the 
this pie and reslicing it as new people are contributing. And the goal for the community should just be to, to have as clear of a picture as, as possible about who did how much work relative to each other, right? Like what is the what is the ultimate breakdown? And, and Michael helps you do that. And so we're helping them do that in the context of, of running, but we've got a bunch of different digital communities who are also building on Michael for other different types of interests like art or you know neurobiology, or some of them are building physical devices. But um, ultimately it usually centers around this goal of you know getting groups of people to all work together um, and be really be incentivized without needing investment, without needing anybody's permission. Um, you know, it's very sort of easy to do on the internet. So in other words, it's, um, you know, if I had to put it is to say, hey, you know, it's a, the primary use case is to um, be able to transform, it's not even transform, but it's kind of like, you know, let me say transform, it's not the right word, but it's to transform a, a community into a profitable endeavor while making sure that you're not sacrificing the community aspect in in the process right like which yeah typically yeah, you create exactly. a community create a business you exclude the community members because you can't just hand out chairs to everyone right. it becomes a headache right so you know you, you're making sure that the community can jointly keep on you know operating as a business can have a revenue stream can distribute profits and so on and so on Exactly. Yeah. And I think the problem that we've seen is like there's this kind of false dichotomy that, that people have introduced where it's either this DAO that is only on chain with no legal you know, presence whatsoever, no entity, and everything's very kind of scary, gray area, probably a securities law violation. Or you have like Delaware C Corp where you have angel investors and everything's really restricted, right? And we kind of pretend that these are the only two options when in reality, there's a ton of middle ground in between. And, you know, like the legal space in general is becoming much more, um, you know, kind of accustomed to things like digital signatures and people being able to sign documents online and, and, and you know, a kind of creating connections between the blockchain and digital accounts and digital assets, uh, connecting those things with legal legal documents. And so we kind of try to, to merge these two things and say, no, it's very possible to create what is technically a business and, you know, hopefully profitable and value generating. Um, but at the same time, something that's also like a very healthy community, something that doesn't, like you said, that doesn't kind of like erode, um, you know, the, the values of the community or, or cheapen them or commodify the community, which I think is one of the most uh, disastrous things that, that can happen. And I think we see that happening a lot in crypto and in and DAOs with the sort of over-financialization of these entities and these groups where, you know, once they start to be tradable, the, the tokens, I mean, or the NFTs even, um, you know, and you just have anybody on the free market can set a price and say, here's what your, I think your community is worth because, you know, whatever. And, and I think this, this model like doesn't really scale very well, especially across time and, and across market cycles where, you know, on the downside, like, of course, when, when markets are up only, um, it's, it's very nice to, to, to have a social token, but on the opposite side, it actually will end up being worse because not only will like the people you got to join on the way up was a lot of them at least will leave on the way down because of the sort of like mental overhead of like, holy shit, 80% of the value of this community seems to have disappeared, even though the community is only actually getting more valuable, right? Like on paper, the country, you know, everything, the metrics are probably going up, even if market value is down. And, and it's only so much time you can kind of continue in that space where value in your head is up and market values down and past a certain point, it gets so tiring. You say, you know what, I'm done, I'm leaving. 
and and once you leave, it's very hard to get these members back, right? You kind of have this like attrition that that, that continues to grow, and so we kind of want to tell communities like, hey, wait a minute, like you don't even have to do any of this. All of this is a trap, and like it will end up being worse than if you had just done this much simpler, much cleaner, much more obvious thing, which is give out shares reward your contributors with ownership and distribute shares of profits back to them. You don't need to sell a token. You don't need to, you know, promise anything to anybody. You just have to get people who all care about a particular goal or vision to work together, achieve that goal. And then if they make money, distribute that money back to them. Two questions there just came to mind. And, you know, I, I, I like how you guys think about it and how you've identified, you know, how the dynamics uh, are in the market and, you know, what, the pain of the different users are, which is, you know, the founders and initial creators or summoners and, you know, people joining and token holders. So I like this, and I, you know, there's, there's obviously it's, it makes sense, you know, from this perspective and in this market. Now, two questions that came to mind is like somehow connected is, are you guys actually able through the platform to connect the, you know, digital shareholders you know, through, you know, the digital shares that you have to the actual shareholding in the Nevada LLC, or how is that connected? So, mm -hmm. you know, I own a share in this thing. What does this actually mean legally, you know? Mm -hmm. And the second question somehow relates to it, can this community now actually go out and raise money that could obviously, I imagine, receive contributions and grants, but can they actually go out and, you know, sell shares for money, mm -hmm. which is then, you know, another whole can of worms. So I, yeah. I want to have perspective on one is an answer to this first part. The other one is your perspective on that aspect. Yeah, for sure. So I'll start on the, on the first part. It's a little easier. So yes, absolutely. Basically, Myco, the platform lets you administer these shares. And these are the shares that, which are in the legal contract. When you join a co on Myco, uh, you actually have to sign. It's a digital signature, but you are signing the company agreement as a member. And so like you're, you're, you're very much partaking in, in legal agreements and company agreements um, and, and earning shares, which have, like I mentioned, like a very legal profit right in the LLC company agreement. We actually mentioned we have these shares they dilute with this schedule um, members are liable are, are able to earn these shares here's how they can do that here are the different terms and it specifically states that these shares you know might not come with you know uh, voting rights although they may um, but they do come with a profit right and if this legal entity and all of based off the work that it does if it earns profit it has a, a duty to to share that profit back with its with its contributors with those shareholders so that part is is very much like in the contract and then we give you a, a digital interface to be able to administer these things just so it's easier for you to to understand um but we wrap that up um so that's the first part of this problem the second to the question part, to the first yes. part just i bet you must have done some heavy lifting on the legal side there already this must was not trivial i assume this is not trivial at all and it has been like i said we're now like a month away from it being like ready to be used but we've been working on this we've been working on Myco, like i said for over a year at this point so it's taken a, a significant amount of like iteration and and kind of like experimentation around different states what's possible what can we put into a, a a legal agreement how can we help protect our users privacy so that you know because of course like when you're registering a legal entity you have to provide certain private info how can we protect the best interests of our users while also remaining compliant and and kind of merging those two things so yeah it's been a lot of work and we're excited to, to get how, that how has that been you, you from your background you're a developer right yes 
So how's this been like getting your head into the legal space or did you give it to one of your co-founders? No, no, it's been me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's been a very interesting ride. And my understanding of securities laws and, you know, LLCs and all these things has gotten significantly better over the last year. But I think it's been for me as a founder, like I've personally found that very necessary because, you know, no one else is going to be able to do this. And the amount of legal cost it would have taken for someone else to figure all this out would have been, you know, way out there. Um, so it's it's like someone had to do it. And of course, like all of all of this has been uh, vetted by, you know, our lawyers and they, they kind of agree that this makes sense. So, um, you know, all of that is good. But ultimately, there's there's sort of a certain degree to which we are pushing the boundaries and we have to read, you know, there's no there's no. Um, uh, you know, precedent for a lot of the things we're trying to do. So we have to say, okay, well, the law clearly is trying to say this, so we will follow that as best as we can. And, you know, if anything comes up, then we'll deal with it as it comes. Um, so there is a little bit of kind of experimentation there. Um, and that kind of leads into the next portion of your question, which is around the investment. And what I'll be very, very, very frank about is we have not focused on this at all. Now, I know technically speaking, again, I have, I'm not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. I know technically speaking, LLCs can get investment, right? You can have different types of members that put in an investment in exchange for shares versus different types of contributions. All of that is possible. I don't know what the rules are. Typically, there are limits around how much you can do. That's typically what, what it comes down to, especially with regards to the SEC and, and, and unaccredited investors, right? So in theory, all of that is possible. I just don't know the terms. And because these are actual independent LLCs, it's actually on the, the onus is on the creators themselves to figure it out, right? Like they can get their own lawyers to to. To, if they want to start selling the shares and you know if they break the laws then then they're actually the ones who are on the hook for it it's not us it's not our company we are just a platform that of course helps them manage it so um we try to like the platform tries to be as opinionated as possible you know we don't mention the concept of investment anywhere we i don't actually think it would you know in our current version you'd have to like make a deposit into the vault like it it's not trivial. Like we, I guess my point is we really are not interested in that use case. And I think this is to the earlier point around these different types of DAOs. There's this whole other use case around investing DAOs, right? And groups of people pooling money to buy things, right? It's a completely different product. You know, Syndicate DAO and, and that product is, is, I think they're doing a great job at this. They It, it requires a completely different set of features because, the you know, we're optimizing around this idea of uh, new contributors constantly coming in and how do you dilute in a way that continues to reward new people coming in and passing the torch and all of these sorts of like social problems uh, for them they just want a cap table that's split with predictable sort of like rules and then boom you're off to the races you're spending money and most of their problem is around how do you uh, get deals in and, and, and diligence them and, and then review them and get them approved and send the money all those things so they're completely different problems and problems excuse me and we we try to focus more on the social stuff and and these kind of like businesses that don't necessarily need so much investment, even though I guess to my earlier point, it is in theory possible for them to get that. Yeah, sure, because it's a LLC and, you know, right. the rules of the government don't change, right? That's not the yes. same rule. So uh, no matter how you do it, but I get the point. It's, and it's really, really interesting. Tell me something, the, you know, kind of the, the groundwork that you've guys been doing on the legal side. Is this something that, you know, you guys keeping yourself, you're going to publish this? Is this going to be helpful for potentially for DAOs? Because, you know, all the DAO frameworks and everyone who's setting up something on DAO House and Aragon and so on, is, you know, it's a big discussion going on. Are you like in publicly involved in this? Will you contribute to this? Is this something that you're keeping rather in-house? What, what's, what's your, what are your thoughts there? 
Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, we try to be as plugged in as we can to the ecosystem and kind of share any learnings that we come up with, um, both in the context of the legal work and also just on different other token related experiments we're doing. So um, we try to be as plugged in and public as we can. I think, you know, we've we've thought a little bit about this idea of just open sourcing the company agreement, just so anyone, if they want to found a similar type of entity, they can. Um, so, you know, it's possible in theory, but um, I think, like I said, it's not something we've been focused on. We're primarily just trying to, you know, I think there's like a, a kind of problem in Web3, which is that like, we spend so much time trying to make everything interoperable that nobody actually uses any of it anyways. And this is a, a pitfall I've fallen into personally as a founder, right? I was building a protocol for bounties back in 2017, 2018, and we were all about interoperability, but like all of that focus came at the expense of focusing on users. And so with Myco, we're trying to be very specifically focused on like, what do users actually want? What problems are we actually solving? Rather than trying to build this like grand utopian version of like DAO tooling or, you know, like, the sort of utopian, uh, I think, DAO vision that I think we hear a lot of and we see a lot of, but um, doesn't really translate into a lot of like real world, you know, usage and activity. And I think that's a lot of what we've seen, even in the DAO space right now with DAO tooling in its existing forms, um, where, where you know, we, we haven't seen as many people using these things as, as we could have, because they were so generalized and so kind of like big brain that that they kind of did that at the expense of like very sort of specific and very real problems that people have um, because they're so generalized and so so grandiose. So we kind of try to be a little bit less grandiose and, and kind of try to bring everything down to earth. Um, but like I said, yeah, we're always open to, to sharing when people have questions or want to learn about what we're doing or how we did things and why um, we try to be as public as possible. Yeah, I, I think um, I I think I remember a tweet um, or something that you had sent that goes into the same direction, you know, like um, don't build things that are, you know, that are needed, but rather that are required, right? Right. And, and right. I think it's it, my in my personal view, it's, it's something that um, is a very, let me put it like this, a very interesting topic, especially well in the web three community anyway and you can take this discussion especially when you're talking about DAOs, right um this decentralization aspect but yet everyone runs on like discourse <laughs> you know um and centralized systems and on one side the argument is yeah we really need to get off the systems to make them make them decentralized and well on the other side the argument the, the question really is do you really need to decentralize all the systems? Like, do does the user care? Does it right. make any difference for the DAO and the members? You know, so this balance between these two worlds, right? And there's so many projects that are just decentralizing everything where you're standing in front of it and you go like, like well, is that, who cares? <laughs> yeah, know, like, right. Who cares? And, and on the other side, you know, there's always this really flip kind where you, and I've run into this where you go like, who cares? But when you then think about it, you go like, yeah, well, you know, on a long-term perspective, it really makes sense to decentralize it to distribute power, right? Right. So, um, but hitting this this balance, like, what do you want? Do you want people to get to use it today, or are you building kind of the infrastructure for the next, you know, for the next century? Kind of like, you know, right. what's the thing? And where's where's the middle ground? So. You know, yeah. and you that you're building web 2.5 things. I, I think I get the idea, the the, the direction um, you're taking. It's really interesting. Um, 
How do you think um, the work you're doing with Michael and you know making it a bit broader in terms of you know digital organizations and DAOs? How do you think they impact um, somebody that's not yet in the crypto space, which is the user you're focusing on? So take a, somebody that's a designer or content writer, you know, has worked. Uh, in some company and got fed up and worked in an agency for two, three years and at some point realized, well, I'm really just a freelancer to them and went into Upwork, has been three years on Upwork doing gigs here and there. You know, what, what do you think when you look at what you're doing and what others are doing in this, you know, DAO space, how is this going to impact this, this person and, you know, should he care about what's going on in the space, what you're doing and what others are doing? Yeah, for sure. So uh, there's kind of two pieces that come to my mind when I think about this. The first one is around this idea that you kind of sub subtly touched on this like Upwork version of the future of work. And I think there was a lot of these like Fiverr, Upwork, there's a lot of this kind of cohort of, of freelancing marketplaces where they thought, okay, well, now that we have the internet, um, random workers will just work for random companies like bees, just doing random tasks, right? Or like bounties, you know, whatever. And um, I think what we've started to see is a sort of more nuanced approach where, you know, sure, maybe in the beginning, you just start off by doing like a bounty or a small task. But typically speaking as a company and, and from the freelancer side, I'm sure it's the same. Uh, you want to maintain a relationship with, with good clients or, you know, with like good workers, right? So like ultimately, it's actually much better to return. You're much better off having these sort of like part-time type uh, contractor engagements. And that's actually how Myco, how we try to hire a lot of people is starting off as contractors or starting off with very small tasks and kind of like moving them deeper over time. And, and I think that's something that's going to become true for most companies where um, they're kind of like at the edges, they have like people doing smaller tasks and then they're trying to move them deeper um, to, to get them into sort of either full-time contributors or just kind of like regular repeat contributors. And so then when I think about the future of work, I think, okay, well, in the future, people might be working for like five different companies or co's or DAOs or whatever, um, and a little bit here, a little bit there. And, and I think designers or there's particular types of roles, designers, I think, are the primary ones that come to mind where they really benefit from having a broad um, different sort of like broad variety in work, right? They really like to work on many different projects simultaneously. And that for them is just kind of more suitable based on, you know, the type of work they're doing. And it actually makes their work much better for all of their different sort of clients. So, um, and so for those types of roles, like I think we're going to see a lot more of that where it's not like one full-time job, but like many contributing to many different groups simultaneously. Um, the other half of this that I think is actually like maybe even more important and transformational, and this is something we don't see at all, is freelancers getting paid in ownership. And there's two parts of this equation that has to happen. Number one is like companies need to be able to actually give shares out to their contributors, right? It has to be efficient enough to do that in such a way that it makes sense for them from a time cost perspective to actually give that distribution. Um, so that's kind of a technology problem. And that's one we're trying to solve. Um, but the other problem is actually a social problem where freelancers need to realize that like sweat equity is incredibly valuable, that early equity in these startups is or new projects or whatever is extremely valuable. And I think this is something we're starting to see in the crypto space you know, very successfully that people realize, oh, well, there's a new project. If I contribute or a new DAO, if I contribute early on, I'll get a bunch of tokens. Those tokens will appreciate and I'll have made a lot of money. And that's actually probably the best way to make money in crypto right now is just contributing to early projects because there's just so much more upside there. And I think that that as a sort of idea hasn't quite translated into the web 
to space or the non-DAO space, non-token space quite as much. Um, but I think once start contributors, once contributors, excuse me, start seeing themselves as speculators, where it's not like, oh, how can I uh, buy this next GameStop on my app? But how can I actually spend my time working on the next GameStop? Right or or earning shares in the next GameStop and recognizing that those will be more valuable and you know it it means that the the way that they're looking for work changes because they might be looking for early stage projects or thinking about their career a little differently than just you know working for U.S. dollars that will pay the rent. Um, but at the same time, the flip side is like in theory, the public in a general sense um, gets more upside, right? Gets more opportunity to earn profits, um, earn shares of shares of profits when you know real upside is earned, right? Like these NFT projects are the best example that come to my mind where these freelancers, designers, artists make, you know, $5,000 and the project makes 5 million, right? And they got no upside at all. And so I think those types of models are, are going out and I think they'll be replaced with much more uh, fair ownership structures uh, for, for those creators. Mm -hmm. Two things come to mind. Um, uh, I, I think this is a, is a great vision. Um, because obviously, and you know, you've been around the block with, you know, working in startups and, you know, creating, you know, projects, setting up projects to know that, yeah, you know, if you set up a high, you know, high potential tech startup in the Valley, people care about stock options, right? If you're setting up a agency in whatever in Austria, <laughs> people go stock options what <laughs> like just right. make sure you pay me at the end of the month okay and right right in the end you know the probability of some agency in some market some service delivery or community or whatever it is that's smaller having some kind of liquidity event that actually make your you know participation worth anything is very very improbable and you said earlier and i, I get this like okay there's this aspect of profit distribution so you know, by making this digital, there's actually a more tangible benefit um, to holding, you know, the shares that you earn from contributing. But you also said the shares are not going to be transferable, right? So isn't that somewhat removing kind of this liquidity of the participation, this ability to say, yeah, well, I worked, I got paid in participation, I got share stock. And, you know, now the thing is bigger and there's actually people that because of the governance rights and the future profits, you know, willing to buy my shares and I can, you know, move on and, you know, move to the next thing or I want to set up my own thing, you know, I don't right. want to hold shares forever. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, for sure. So um, I don't think we're like completely averse to the idea of people selling their shares. Ultimately, like in the early stages of a community, it's not important at all. And so we just like as a product haven't focused on it much. Um, I think in the middle, the sort of like middle step before, you know, the public can buy your shares, the middle step is just the co buys them back from its members and, and sets some sort of floor price or, or a curve or is an LP provider, we can do that. Um, that's much more straightforward without getting into like weird securities laws stuff, because if they're shares and they're publicly tradable, like that's a big deal. Um, so in general, yeah, like in theory, they might be liquid in the sense that they um, can be purchased or sold back, excuse me, to, to um, the community itself. Um, but ultimately, like our goal is that like you don't have to sell them to get liquidity, right? And because of the dividends or because of the profit distributions like that, that gives you some sort of passive income over time. And um, our goal is that people realize that that is actually in the long term much more sustainable than these kind of like short term liquidity things. Because even with the speculative tokens, 
you know, sometimes the chart goes up and everything's good, but typically speaking, there's somebody on the other side of that trade who is losing money, right? And so that, like, if you if you do the math, like that just isn't sustainable for a hundred plus communities, you know, over two years, like it just doesn't work. Like that, that, that is not an actual, the, the economics don't work out, right? And so like, there has to be new people coming in. That's a Ponzi scheme. So essentially like we're trying to figure out, okay, well, what if we like, don't do that? Like, what if we, what if we have the more sustainable version, which, um, yeah, is, is a little bit different and requires some 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 more warnings maybe, or some more like kind of preconceptions of, okay, well, you might not be able to sell this immediately or, you know, whatever, but like we can help you estimate. Like if you got this, like, let's say for instance, there was a distribution that happened once a quarter of, of I don't know, $10 for each person, let's say on average. Um, that's like $40 a year. And in perpetuity, that's like potentially a lot more, especially if those revenues are growing. And, you know, so like, then we can start to tell them, okay, well, you can't necessarily sell the share because that would be illegal, but we think they're worth about this or base case, they're worth this and best case, they might be worth that much. And, you know, just to give you an idea of like, okay, well, you're earning actually a lot of upside in this, in this potential venture, you know, you just have to believe in it. You have to stick around. And I think that's like kind of the most important problem we're, we're trying to solve at a very, very, very core is getting people to build communities where people stick around, where people don't leave, where speculators don't just trade in and out on a whim. Um, we're trying to help people build communities where, you know, people who are interested come, they stay, they never leave. And, and they never leave because they own such a fair share of the community that it's not worth their time to start a new one. Because typically right now, the way it works is the creator owns like 50% and then maybe 100%, right? And of course their members don't own anything. So their members have all of the incentives to start a new one. But imagine a world where creator owns 15% and 50% is split among the members or 75% or is split among the members. Well, then at that point, members, do they really want to go and start a new community just to get a little bit more ownership? No, you're probably better off working with other people who are already doing it. And I think that creates a model where communities can start to last a much longer period of time where, you know, these social token experiments that we've seen can actually like live on rather than a lot of them I think we've we've noticed which you know they don't necessarily last the longest yeah comes to mind is you know reflecting back is if I had to sum it up I explained to somebody else I would say it's about building meaningful and sustainable communities right that's you know when I'm hearing this very yeah. good and you know and then slowly because I know you need to get some more work done as well towards you know I've got one more question for you um but you know, in this path that you're taking with building meaningful, sustainable um, uh, communities, I'd be very excited about to see you know when you when you started talking about you know how um, you're basically getting dividends and you know how the profit sharing works and so on. Um, you know, it, it it obviously you know brought in my mind the rest of the you know DeFi space, right? And I I would be very interested to see you know when and if you guys succeed going forward, you know, how this intersection is, you know, what this intersection is going to do, because that would be, I think, very, very, very um, exciting as well. Yeah. It's a whole nother DeFi topic, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only the only caveat I'll add is that uh, Wire uh, automatically offers an interest rate for uh, any of the coins deposited and they are in yield on that. So your money, when it's sitting on Myco, so let's say you get a distribution before you withdraw it into your MetaMask wallet or into your bank account, if you want, you can leave it there and you're continuing to earn interest there as well. So you kind of are getting DeFi type upside um, without, without 
actively playing, which is nice as well. Right, and it, it, it's it's cool. I, I get that. It's, it's very interesting. So, looking forward at this, right? You guys in the Web two point five community, sustainability, meaningful stuff. Um, on the other side, you know, there's going to be not other side. You know, together with that, and this, you know, new version of Moloch coming. You know, this all this all this colony launching a token. So there's a lot of stuff happening in the in the DAO space. And yeah, um, when I talk to people, I you know either get people are really enthusiastic about the future and you know very idealistic and you know it's going to change everything and it's unstoppable and it's all going to be you know it's all going to be a a a, a hand-holding, um, singing in circle future in this beautiful new world. Um, you have people that are, you know, that are kind of living on the outside that either think that, you know, the inside consists in the best case of, you know, capitalist speculators and drug dealers, okay? Um, then others that just think it's entire, it's nice, but it's an entire pyramid scheme. And when you look at it, you know, more on a you know, dark side, people go like, well, great that the servers and the software are all distributed, but the power is still gonna be really centralized. And what we're doing basically is, you know, handing the key for the system to, you know, really, really big powers. And we're gonna all end up in a situation where every single transaction we're gonna do can be traced back every, you know, cent or fraction of any token goes back to somebody has minted, sold, transacted on it. And, you know, if, uh, you know, whoever is in charge doesn't really like that you want to buy pens to, uh, uh, you know, draw something on papers and hold it up to make a protest, then you're not buying any pens. Okay. So what do you, what do you think we're going to end up here? Um, wow, that's a hard question. I think the future is never as bright as we think it is and is also never as dark as we think it's going to be. It like is always going to end up, like I think we're gonna end up being fine to a certain sense. Um, you know, I do think that there is a large amount of transition sort of currently underway with regards to you know, things like digital identity and um, digital transactions that is kind of inevitable to a certain sense and recognizing that like we live in nation states which have a lot of say over you know what we do and like there i think there's like a certain sense in which like we dream people in crypto dream of like giving the middle finger to their government but in reality like couldn't actually do that or like are not prepared maybe to do that not recognizing the sort of risks that might be involved with doing that and so I think like in that sense, you know, I take a, a more, um, I don't know, I take an approach of like not necessarily giving a middle finger to the legal world, but hopefully trying to work within that existing context to help it grow and evolve in the way that it needs to, um, rather than, you know, con like ignoring what's already been there. Um, I think like there's a sort of like anarchist angle here too that is somewhat embedded in, in my thinking at least, which is like um, this idea of, you know, kind of like rebuilding new structures within the sort of shell of old structures and in such a way that um, you no longer need them, right? And, you know, we think a little bit about uh, UBI in the context of like communities, right? And what would it look like if a community offered UBI for its members or, uh, you know, enabled to help, like was able to help them if they needed it, you know, these sorts of things, right? Um, 
in such a way that like people didn't need to rely on their government for social services necessarily if it, if it didn't provide them, um, they might be able to look at their communities instead for that. Or, you know, these sorts of kind of like circumventing um, nation states and, and doing things kind of ourselves if, if, if we can. So that's like another approach I think is, is quite meaningful and something we, we, we try to think about. Um, but ultimately, yeah, like I have I have tons of hope for the future. I'm sure the future will be bright. Maybe not quite as bright as some people think it is in the DAO space who think DAOs will solve every problem because I don't think that's true. Um, but I do think like the future is not super dystopian and like we're all going to be fine. Mark, thank you so much. This was an excellent conversation. Thank you very much for having me. This is wonderful.